I am Omer, a football writer and analyst, and hosting alongside me is H, a content creator that focuses on the tactical side of the beautiful game in a wonderful, accurate and accessible manner. Welcome to the And Again podcast. We're just coming off the back of the Manchester derby, two sort of opposing uh, moods in the camp today. And yeah, a thriller, 6-3 thriller. Manchester City have beaten Manchester United, Haaland and Foden with uh, hat-tricks each. So we're just going to Go through that a little bit, H. Give me some thoughts and feelings. What are we what are we saying about today's game? I don't know. I think I think we were I think we were due a big loss. I'm not gonna lie. I think um, yeah, yeah. I think we've got to we've got too good of a record at City. And then when I seen the lineup, I was sort of confident, but I just felt like the the wing partnership and the you know no inclusion of like Casemiro, for example. I just thought. I just thought the worst, really. Um, I actually had confidence if Martial and Rashford were both fit, but I think, yeah, I just didn't really go into the game expecting anything. I think a draw would have been nice. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because, you know, we were building momentum, but, yeah, just lacked a lot of sharpness today. Too much sharpness. Yeah, I think um, I think the break between the last game against Arsenal and the City game today being, was it four weeks or so? It was something ridiculous like Yeah, that. for four week break I think definitely I think I didn't want to tweet it because I was like I'm not putting out any excuses because there is literally no excuses for losing and conceding like six goals and let's let's face it the scoreline did flatter us but I just felt like Mm. that was that was definitely like the repercussions of like not playing Premier League club football for for so many weeks like you lose all the team cohesion and like pretty much everything just fell off um the sharpness like there were so many passes that were just like a little bit loose so many touches that just weren't there players weren't like familiar with other players and what they were doing it was just all over the place a little bit jumping back into the premier league i don't think like like facing manchester city might be the worst possible opponent like anybody could ever get but they they're always sharp they're always on like city don't have like days off and like you never catch city on an off day like they're constantly on it you know what i mean like the standards are so yeah regardless of who sort of comes in and and who's rotated because when we were looking at the team sheets i think there was some sort of nervousness in in city's fan base um especially sort of with the defense uh we had nathan aki and akanji but during the game they were both incredible. I think I read a stat that Nathan Aki had I think ten successful ball carries. Um wow. and, and he just drove the ball into into the opposition half sort of unopposed and he was really impressive. I thought Akanji he in his aura and in his some of his aesthetics like looked like a little Vincent Company um at times and yeah. um just being able to call on all these different players, um it's gonna help City in the in the long season um, even Sergio Gomez. Yeah, Sergio Gomez. He he finished the game at uh, at DM. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think blank, so. I kind of blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well uh, so Gundogan went off and Phillips, Rodrigo injured. So I think who came on? Um, oh yeah, Laporte came on at centre back. Aki went to left back, and then um, Gomez went in at DM. Which is to be fair, I think part of the reason why we were a tiny bit sloppy, um, sort of in the second half. Yeah. But, I mean, the fact that he can slot in there and City not look horrendous and, and he play the passes and, and be secure on the ball as a sort of a signing that no one really expected us to make. Yeah, it's a testament to both his quality and um, and Pep's ability to, to build his team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just it showed the parallel in the two teams as well. Like, I just think 
there was just so many parallels that you could take from today's game. I just think like even the simple stuff, just as soon as I seen the two V one from like Cancelo and uh, Grealish on the, on our right hand side, as soon as I seen that, I was like, yeah, this is literally going to be game over very shortly. It's like we were getting way <laughs> too much space, like everywhere. On that side, I did think it was a bit... So the way United pressed, they were pressing in a way. So you had your front three sort of quite narrow on, on City's defenders. Yeah. And then you had, I think, two of your midfielders pushed high on City's two um, sort of defensive I think it was Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. But it meant that yeah. because Dallo was pinned back by Grealish... Cancelo was completely free on that left side in the second third of the um, of the field. And yeah. Edison, every single position, basically clipped the ball to him. And it just sort of gave us a forced transition every time. We were just running with the ball with acres of space. You give Grealish the ball with separation between his fullback. And yeah, then you get a Grealish that looks like the Grealish that we see or that we did see in, yeah. in Aston Villa. I thought he had a really impressive um, uh, first half. Yeah, there was... It was weird. The game plan looked like it was. De- I didn't. I didn't know whether or not we were trying to press or we were trying to sit deep. It looked like we were trying to press, but the pressing was not as like a unit. It was just individuals, and that's been like a problem we've had for years, where it's like individuals constantly pressing. There's no exact like structure to the press, so it's like I'm seeing people run at run at centre backs for no reason, and they just they play it back to Edison, and then they play out of the press so nice, and like it's just so easily. Yeah. Um. And it's just like, it didn't look like we were trying to press like manically. We weren't trying to get the lines high, but at the same time, when we were sitting deep, there was way too much space in between the midfield and the defence. I mean, the wingers were literally running across the face of the defence and just not getting picked up at all. There's this Ten Hag quote that I've just pulled up now, and it basically sort of talks to that point that we're both speaking about here. He said, we were not defending on the front foot. We let them play. In possession, we were not brave enough. Technical skill-wise, there were mistakes, decisions and mistakes. Then you get hammered. So I think, yeah, essentially, yeah, it, it does read a little bit like Ten Hag wanted United to be more brave and push even higher on um, on City as a I collective. We were, I thought we were going to. I thought we were going to. I actually thought the pragmatism, I think everyone thought that Manchester United were going to sit back and in the end we were kind of forced to. And I think Pep Guardiola even said on Sky Sports before the game, he was like, we we're gonna force Manchester United to defend in that kind like the deep compact shape like that's what we that's what we want to force them to do. But I did feel like that we we fielded a team that was a pressing team like we wanted to run. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There was just not enough intensity on the press. I think and just just overall. Just and the didn't point really about what... bravery. I mean, to be fair, if you're gonna face like Harlan Foden, uh, Kevin De Bruyne on the other side of the pitch, and you're sort of central defenders or fullbacks you're going to be I don't know it takes a lot to be brave and push even higher knowing that Erling Haaland and, and Foden are going to be on the last line um, so I can understand why they weren't um, yeah the midfielders weren't really like I was I was actually really expecting Casemiro to start I I, I think to Scott McTominay has been brilliant recently um, but I just I expected um, I expected him to start and I think one of the key things I think maybe we missed in the midfield was just like when I was when I was talking about just the overloads in wide areas. Like for years now, Casemiro has been a master at um, like filling in and rotating for fullbacks. Um, like all of these defensive yeah. actions come in wider areas. Like I think he would have been quite good to have, um, you know, just like screening the back four and actually, you know, filling in in wide areas and giving Manchester United a bit more like defensive support because pretty much every goal 
just come from width. Like it felt like every single time they got the ball and they were carrying it, the, the passes into the wide areas, and we were just getting smoked. In all honesty, on them on them flanks. Yeah, I think that it depends on on how they wanted to play and how much possession that Ten Hag sort of wanted in 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 planning. But I do think that maybe having Casemiro and and not even dropping McTominay, even having Casemiro, McTominay, and then a third midfielder, more sort of creative or, or attacking or pressing midfielder. Yeah, I think Ericsson's passing's like a. It's it's so he's so good, especially like we was talking about in transitional moments. Like he's one of the best like passers in them sort of like sequences. But it's just yeah. Today today it just felt like there wasn't. There wasn't enough runners in behind. It, the, the only runner was centrally. Um, and I just think if you're going to try and play a through ball straight through the middle of the park and you're not playing it into into wide areas, it becomes the passing just becomes too one-dimensional. And it was almost hard. Oh, yeah, especially to... with um, Edison in there. Like, it, there was one moment even when, when the pass did go sort of out wide, but he sweeped the ball like basically where yeah. the right back would be. And it was, I think I tweeted about it, but it was ridiculous. Um and yeah. and after that point, even if you do hit it long, like you have Aki and Akanji who are physical, pacey, read the game really intelligently, and then you have a sweeper in Edison who is gonna mop up anything that's a tiny bit over hit. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a difficult. Um, it was generally difficult for United, and it would have been even if they set up sort of better and executed on Ten Hag's plan a little bit better. I do. I don't know if I'll ask you this actually. Do you think? Going or wanting to go, um, sort of aggressive or more aggressive and, and more brave, on Man City, um, was the right thing from Ten Hag, or do you think it was a little bit naive? Um, I want I want to say I want to say it's naive in my opinion. I just think mm. I think you just cannot you cannot press high on a team that that has like Erling Haaland. I think yeah, it's it's hard because. I think one of De Bruyne's most underrated characteristics is is his actual ability to carry the ball at pace. Like he runs so fast with the ball, so you've got in the a, Bundesliga guy... he he was remarkable at that, and and even yeah in the Centurion season particularly before teams sort of gave up wanting to try and play against City, uh, and when they when they sort of did used to come out in in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, he was devastating, and we had Sane and Sterling on the wings. Aguero as yeah. well through the middle. We had a quick attack. And then 2018 through to 2020 or 2021, we did lose some of that counter-attacking threat. We used to slow things down and then build up every time. But then with Erling Haaland now in the team, folding on the wings, um, yeah, City, City have reintroduced that counter-attacking threat and it's unbelievable the way... Yeah. If, if you see uh, Kevin De Bruyne carrying the ball in the middle third with space and then you see Haaland unfolding either side of him and, and, and ahead of him yeah it's you see like two or three players like sort of bouncing off him and then falling to the sides he's such a powerful runner I think like I don't know I don't know why I just feel like you just can't get him off the ball like he's, his build isn't even that like strong he doesn't have broad shoulders or anything but he just runs at such pace and he can he can make like he can cross and pass at the volumes like for the Haaland goal today which he crossed from like the right half space. Ridiculous! It's like he hits he hits that ball at like full speed. Like he run he's running at full speed. Yeah, like he's he running. Yeah, to, like, yeah, that's the most imp- one of the most slow impressive down things. and like calm himself. Yeah, he just hits it like at just just pure speed. Like Lionel Messi used to do that. Like make make like them then them like decisions when he was running at like full yeah. pelt. 
and it's like, and it was always like perfectly weighted and like the, the perfect decision. And yeah, he's just he's he's frightening. Uh, he's one he's one of the best crosses I've ever seen. Like I don't know if you can even count it as crossing from the right half space. It's almost like a pass. It's that good. Like he's not crossing into areas. Yeah. He's actually trying to find people. But I think he, yeah. he's one of the best crosses I've seen. Honestly, I genuinely I think he he might he has a shout for best final ball in in the yeah. modern game that I've seen. I'll say Cesc Fabregas yeah. is up there, Lionel Messi is there, um, David Silva, Ozil, Neymar, yeah, they're, they're yeah. all there, but I would say Kevin De Bruyne, he f- plays passes that I don't think, or I've seen very Same. few, if any, players have the vision to find. Especially those ones that sort of curl in between like three or four players. Messi, can yeah. ha- Messi has the execution and he has the vision and I think a lot of Messi's passes are sort of from lofted. similar zones or yeah and they're lofted and they're yeah. coming in from the right hand side but De Bruyne he plays passes that I've never seen people look to play those passes um, and I think that yeah. uh, that Harlan goal that he assisted today was sort of one of those uh, was an example of one of those they're almost like shot come crosses aren't they they're not even it's like yeah. he's shooting but he's but he's not he, he hits it so pure man. it must be like, ridiculous to defend I think so Varane people were pointing the finger at Varane for that goal in particular but like I don't think there's anything you can do when it comes at that speed it's just at an angle you wouldn't predict so it's not like these defenders yeah. have an image in their mind to expect that pass mm. from uh, from De Bruyne in that situation yeah. I think you have to answer I mean he was he was injured as well which didn't really help him but um, it was like in trying to anticipate in something like you're trying to be a step ahead of Haaland is so hard because of how good he is off the mark like he's got the yeah. jump on you at all times, so like you have to give him space. But then, if you give him space and you drop back a little bit, then you're giving him chance to build up space, like build up pace and run past you. And it's like that's never, never going to work. Yeah, you know what? You let's um, let's actually talk about Harlan a little bit because. So I let me find the actual tweet. I, I put out a little provocative, vague statement. Um, we'll just talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I said, I said they're not ready for where I project Harlan to go this season and career wise. And then in September, I think on the 2nd of September, I posted a tweet saying, Haaland scored nine goals in the league, but his XG is 7.34. Those are sustainable numbers. Do you know how ridiculous that is? We are witnessing an alien playing football. The goal tally, if he stays fit and plays around 2,700 minutes, which is, I think, 39 minutes. um, If he does that, I don't want to say what I think his goal tally can be. And then I quote tweeted it in Twitter circles, which is like, sort of private uh, yeah like a private version of of your Twitter and I said around or more than 50 goals I just I'm actually like I'm when I go on Twitter and when he scores now no one knows what to tweet that's like different do you know what I mean like because we're (laughs) we're actually we're just lost like yeah it's just like robot he's an alien he's a freak like we get it you score (laughs) yeah like that there's nothing else you can say about him like he's mastered goal scoring like just pure goal scoring, like spacing, striking, both feet, head. He's got a burst. He's got everything. It's scary. He does. I did read um, an article a couple of days ago, and he said that Haaland's working really hard to perfect his weak foot now. Um, <laughs> and if he does that, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's over yeah, for... Yeah, it's game over. It's game over. If, if Haaland gets a right foot strike, yeah, it, it, you know what? We'll end every season before it begins. Yeah, I do, do you know what I actually thought? I I, I did think he was going to score today because I actually I think I tweeted it. I did I did think he was going to score today, but I actually thought 
I don't know. I just thought, oh, big occasion. Like, his dad hates United. You know, mm. he, he's obviously he got close to joining United once. He's, like, really close with Solskjaer. I was like, he's going to have a little bit, like... I was like, maybe we'll just see a little bit of a shadow of his, like, self and, like, he's going like to calm it think. down a little bit. Yeah, but then, no. Like, like he, he's exist. genuinely yeah. a player... No, he's a player who, like, if you put him in a Champions League final, we yet to see him on this stage, but it seems like every single big game he's ever had in his life, he's stepped up to. Like, he just does I seem think he that way. it. Yeah. Yeah, like, debuts, Champions League, domestically, clubs for each Darby's. club, like, shows up. Yeah, derbies, like, big games against Bayern last season. he's been season. doing he's it from a, such a, a young goals. age. Do you remember that yeah. game against PSG? Yeah, like, just doesn't even make any sense. Like, he doesn't get phased by anything. <laughs> And and he's yeah. weird because he's not like he hasn't won like countless trophies at his age yet. So he's not his his whole mentality is just based off his individual like belief in himself and like yeah, his goal scoring on, record. He he's not basing it off like achievements. Yeah, yeah. He's like not even basing it off achievements. Like I'd fully understand if he was this confident and he'd won like a World Cup and he had like two two league titles and he was you know he's a Champions League finalist. So I'd like I'd fully understand it, but. I think he's got like yeah. a DFB Pokal and that's like it. Like, <laughs> what? How are you that confident? It's crazy. When he started laughing, I think, after the um, the miss against Liverpool in the community shield. Yeah. Like, that's when I knew, yeah, this guy, he, he knows what he's done, but he knows that he's so yeah. much better than this. And he, it's like he, he was almost laughing, knowing what he was going to do in the league. Yeah. I think, I think Pep Guardiola even knew that. Like, do you know at the start of the season, people were thinking way too like deep about the whole like false nine like profile yeah, change up front yeah. for City. It was like they're literally a team that holds the most possession we've ever seen in the Premier League era. They create like, the most chances the in the Premier League of all time. Yeah, he's, he's actually like one of the purest ball strikers we've seen in like the past ten years. He's six foot five or whatever. He's ab- he's one of the fastest players I've ever seen. One of the like, strongest how, how players did- as well. Yeah, it's like, how was anyone ever expecting him not to do well? Even if they were just 50 tap-ins, he was obviously going to score tap-ins. So, I, yeah. um, I tweeted, I think, either last summer or the summer before, but I said the final piece of the Guardiola puzzle is if City do get Erling Haaland. And at that time, yeah. I said, I'd genuinely pay £250 million for Haaland. He's the only piece yeah. of the puzzle that, that we need. And... Harry Kane's good. All these other strikers that we were linked to were good names. Um, but Erling Haaland, yep. like, I I would have paid whatever. Like, I I think even if we paid two hundred and fifty million for him this summer, I think we paid something like fifty or sixty million. Um, just yeah, like nuts. base fee. But if we did pay two hundred and fifty million, I don't think it would have been outlandish given sort of his product. Yeah, that, justifying that he's, he's justifying his price tag. Yeah, I think as well as like another thing that. Another thing that like proper amuses me about him is like he's just he when he when he scores goals he's like he just smiles to himself as to like he doesn't over celebrate <laughs> goals like he just today he scored the hat trick and he just did that weird like spin on the floor and he was like he's that just meditation yeah, celebration he's, he's just like happy he's just happy it's weird yeah he's not he doesn't get like over you know what it reminds me of it reminds like, me of down the pitch it reminds me a little bit of like when you're at school. Like, like when you're playing sort of a five-sider when you're playing at school and somebody's just clearly better than the other guys and they're just toying with yeah. them a little bit and when they bag, they just jog back, high-five someone and it's like yeah. they know that this is this is what they're supposed to do and I get that sense from Haaland a little bit. Yeah. 
Definitely. I will say, b- before we move on to um, talking a little bit about a couple of the other fixtures, because I could talk about Haaland and, you know, I'll give Foden a shout out too, because I think they're both sort yeah. of in similar Huge brackets. Player. But uh, before we move on to talking about Liverpool and Arsenal and Spurs, I will say, let's predict Haaland's goals if he stays fit. Oh, And then let's okay. see, yeah. what what do we see for Haaland? If he stays fit, what what's the record? 32. The record's 32. And I think how many wait? Let me actually check. How, how many does he have already? He's four, 14. That is ridiculous. I think maybe four. Yeah, I think fourteen Premier League goals in eight games. In fourteen, that, that is unbelievable. That's like I don't think people fathom. Like he scored three hat tricks in eight games. He scored three hat tricks in like, like, in three games. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just <laughs> that's just stupid. Like. Yeah. Uh, and another thing is like City have City have played like well City have played United they're not really like the biggest test but he's he's showing up against like the bigger teams like the one of the only games he blanked in terms of like direct goal output was um was it Bournemouth away but then he got an assist Premier League I reckon I reckon forty in the Prem forty so wait let me let's do some maths here brother so forty he's got yeah. fourteen already yeah that's so that's saying I feel like that's twenty six understating it. 26, 26 goals, goals the in season. the last 30 games. That's doable, you know. That's not even... That's just a good striker output. Like, that's just... Yeah. Because oh. he's been scoring braces and, and hat-tricks. I think he easily gets two or three more hat-tricks. That puts him around 23 goals. And mm. he has 27 games on top of that. I think one thing I will say, I, I don't think he'll actually stay available. I do think he'll actually get an injury, but... I think yeah. when he's available, like his minutes to goal ratio will be absolutely nuts. And I still think he could break a, break the record, even if I think he does get injured. Guarantee he he breaks the record if he plays. What's the record? Yeah. Thirty two. If he plays, if he plays twenty to twenty three full ninety minutes, I think he breaks the record. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I'd agree with that actually. Yeah, yeah, just because I think there's enough teams in the Premier League where City will be productive enough and, and sort of rack up the yeah. numbers I will say I would be and maybe this is just sort of like an optimistic City fan and I'm off the high of uh, City winning the derby <laughs> but I would say I would be disappointed if Haaland didn't hit 50 in the league this season Jesus 50 goals ridiculous. is nuts you know 50, yeah. 50 goals is like like he could hit the, like going off going off that farm. He could hit he could hit the hundred club in like a couple of seasons. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's honestly. Nuts. Yeah, but you know what? Let's let's not get carried away with it because yeah, otherwise I'm this just podcast might be about two dishes, hours long. But, uh, yeah, um, yes, fine. So yeah. let's uh, let's move on to talking a little bit about um, Liverpool and the celebrations on Merseyside from the Albion end. A wild as Klopp stands and stares. You know what? I'll hold the yell on this. Before the season began, I had them very high up. I thought they would have been competing for the league and I think it would have been fair to suggest that at the time. Yeah. What do we think has gone wrong for them? Because obviously they sold Mane and they brought in Nunes and, and, and he's shown some quality. I mean, he definitely showed quality last season to the point where they felt that 90 million was worth spending on him. And they've had an incredibly strong track record with transfers over the last hit rate, three, yeah. four or five seasons. Michael Edwards yeah. left and they bought in sort of his understudy. But I don't know if that would have been big enough a change 
to, to wreck the whole the ship. Yeah. Um, so, so where do we think it's gone wrong for Liverpool just, this season? I think, I mean, well, to be fair, I did, I did make an entire video on it. And I think when I was watching it, one of the key things that actually I seen was the midfield three of Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago had only played like 46 minutes, excluding the Community Shield. So I yeah. think already they've got, I mean, I tweeted this as well. It's just like they didn't, they had to buy a midfielder, either on the left or right side, pr- preferably on the right-hand side, so he could be a, like a starter if he gets good over Henderson. But I just yeah. think, like, Mateus Nunez was there. The, the, Achuamene was like, you couldn't really have a run at Achuamene because Real, when, when Real Madrid are in a mix, like, you really can't fight with them over a player, really. Like, you, you just can't. Um, I think that's who they basically had their sights set on. And then if it wasn't him, yeah, it was no one. Yeah, and I think the, the Fabio Carvalho, I think Fabio Carvalho is a brilliant player. I actually do. Like, I really so, rate him. I thought yeah. Calvin Ramsey was a, a really good, like, bit of a scouting because from everyone who I spoke to who, like, watched the SPFL, he's, like, he's insane. Um, so I, I think they, they were really good, like, future signings. But I think they needed, like, depth and quality, like, now. But not just depth, like, can start 20 games a season. Um, I just think the injuries, the injuries are just shocking as well. That's true. I, I, I just, I think they've, I think they have been quite done dirty with the injuries. Like, even though a lot of people like to joke around about them complaining it, about it all the time, but every yeah. team does get injuries. But they have had an obscene amount of midfield injuries this season. I would say with Liverpool this season, I think so. In the game against Brighton, they did have what you would expect their first choice midfield to be. I think they had Fabinho, Henderson, and, and Thiago playing together. Yeah, and you'd expect them to be more assured and a more stable team. But I think in the first part of the game, they conceded two goals um, to Trossard in, in the first 20 minutes. And when we look at Liverpool, I think what they were always founded upon was this ability to win the second ball, sustain pressure and basically suffocate their teams uh, until one of the front three or either of the fullbacks would come up with a moment of magic or find yep. a crack in the opposition's defence. Certainly the the centre midfielders, I mean, ageing, first of all, and then I think the failures of last season has has definitely played a part in terms of bringing the mood down and bringing the mentality down. I think I had read something online that was talking about how there was a moment where Klopp was going berserk and, and yelling at Fabinho and Fabinho sort of ushered him away and he, he, he seemed sort of annoyed at Klopp yelling at yeah. him that way. Uh, you see Trent after he misplaces certain passes or... It, there seems to be a frustration within the team and within the camp. And I think, obviously, the results going against them doesn't help that. It's a combination of various things. I do think that when your midfield is ageing and then when you lose uh, sort of the intensity and the running of Sadio Mane, you lose the model that made Liverpool successful. So I think for Liverpool to be successful, they can't persevere in the same style that has given them success in the past years. I think in, in summer... If they do make signings, or if they make signings, obviously, in, in January, they could maybe go back to that sort of style. But I think currently, with the personnel that they have, they have to tweak it to suit that personnel's quality. Because right now, they're trying to play in a way that they used to play in, and it's leaving too many gaps. Yeah, that that is, that is honestly, like, the, the last statement is that is so true. I think they tried to be a bit more possessional-based and tried to be a bit more, like, ball-heavy. Um, which suited them in in some respects to some players like Thiago Alcantara in a possession based system is amazing. Um, but I feel I feel like 
they've yeah they I just feel like they've reverted back to this style a little bit and the cohe- like the cohesion of the team is all like messed up. They're pressing way too aggressively in certain spaces. They're going well too gung ho. Um, like James Milner was one player who I identified when I was researching that was just a constant like over eager presser. Like every single time there was a loose ball, he would just press so high. Um, and Napoli, the, the game against Napoli was was like the blueprint for it all. Like playing through the press centrally, like their midfield absolutely loved it. I will say on that point about Milner sort of pressing really high and pressing aggressively, I think in terms of what he's trying to do, he's making on paper what would be the right decision, but he doesn't have the legs to first of all execute it. And then the players around him aren't backing him up in the same way that they would have in seasons gone by. It is like it is like a domino effect, isn't it? Like one player does something that's like half right half not and it's not done at like the full intensity then that that makes someone else's life harder and then they get criti- criticized for doing that and stuff like that i feel like that's what yeah. ha- that's kind of what's happened with trent i completely agree with that and, and on trent's point it's not like he's massively lost quality because i mean unless you get injured or or you age over a few seasons i don't think that's really an, an explanation that that makes sense i think with trent the system when he was thriving protected his deficiencies and also maximized his yep. strong qualities so at the back post you'd always see money arriving for his for his crosses you'd always see sort of robertson receiving that pass high and wide and um, where as now we see diaz in those areas sometimes um, and you'd always see henderson being able to track back and cover behind him yeah you'd see him occupying more of the wide areas and just in general all of these things just allowed trent to show off the qualities that he does have now you have no protection for him, no one attacking the balls at the back post, nobody receiving the pass for him. And then in, in game they had Elliot, who I think is a great player in and of himself, but he's not a player who's going to cover for box Trent in the same way that, yeah, uh, uh, Henderson with sort of his, his full fitness and, and full engine of a few seasons ago would have done. So I know that Liverpool have injuries and they've sold players and sort of the mood might be down considering the Champions League final loss and things like that. But I would, and maybe I don't know if I'm right for doing this, but I would push some of the blame and, and possibly more of the blame towards Klopp um, and his inability to sort of change from the system that's not working at the moment. I think he should have he should have gone more pragmatic as soon as it's as soon as it looked like Liverpool had sort of lost the edge like this season. Um in like the first few games, even the Fulham game was like they would the 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 problems were there still, and I think he it was still staying in the four three three with two eights and a and a six, and pretty much leaving Fabinho to do every little bit of defensive work on his own. Um, yeah, like I think even in the even in the Everton game, he played a midfield of Fabinho, Carvalho, and Elliot, um, and that's just like crazy gunko, like and. Yeah. Like, I actually no think Everton's midfield is better just... than Liverpool's midfield this season. Uh, was it? Oh, no, no. This Gaylen. season, yeah. yeah My this guy, season. I will be. Yeah, I will be, man. Oh, that, One of the that, greatest to ever do it, man. I need, to, I need to watch that game, you know. You know, funnily enough, that both Liverpool and Everton, are, I think they're on the same amount of points. Yeah, they're on the same amount of points. Oh, I think really? Liverpool have one game Jeez. less. Yeah. Liverpool play one game less, but they're both on 10 points with Brentford as well. It's just sandwiched in between them. Does... Does Frank Lampard actually have really good talent idea or am I just being a bit like... No, I've said this. I've said this since 
he was at Chelsea. And I think obviously there's some misses, but what I thought were misses back then were probably him being ahead of the curve relative to me. Um, because yeah. he, so there was this one game. So I'm writing a Kai Havertz player profile. And um, yep. so I've gone back and watched loads of Kai Havertz games. There's this one game where Lampard played a midfield three of, so he played Kante at the base and then left eight, he played Mason Mount. And right eight, he played Kai Havertz, which is such an ultimate team, uh, ultimate team midfield three. Yeah. Uh, but so, so it was against Burnley, but it was really good. I think Kai Havertz scored two goals. And just playing in that sort of half space area, being able to link with players, collecting it from deeper, um, like it really worked. And uh, what I've learned from my Kai Havertz scout report is that he links well with players there. He he likes to, against a block or a team that's sitting, he likes to play... Yeah. Not as a nine, but sort of arriving late, almost in the way Third that man runner. yeah, like Gundogan might or Thomas Muller might. Well, it's interesting you say that because it seems like Frank Lampard's actually like pretty clued up with like the dynamics of a midfield three, especially in a four three three. And obviously, it's quite interesting yeah. because he was such a old school English box to box player who was like a, such a goal scorer, um, yeah, and stuff like that. So it's, it's so interesting to see him put players like Alex Iwobi and like as a box to box midfielder as like an eight just seems I, I wouldn't have seen that like this is I just the elite level is like crazy I tweeted it years ago I tweeted it years ago I think when he was when he was at Arsenal I said he's not a player who's for the wings he's a player who thrives centrally he has the work rate to do it it suits his angles far more I think he was almost profiled onto the wings given his like he's related to JJ Okocha um he looks like he has the flair of a winger, but he's a player who, for me, I think in the academies coming through, he did play centrally as well. But then so when, when you get to the Premier League, he got ushered out wide because people have this belief and, and it's a true belief that being in the middle of the pitch, you require like a ridiculous amount of technical ability and it is Press a bigger stuff, challenge. Yeah. The the players he was competing with at the time meant that he couldn't break in as a central midfielder, but he had the qualities to do that. And you know, what? I'll always give... Uh, Frank Lampard credit for how he's utilised talents. I think Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, um, I will be yeah. now. They have Tomori at Derby as well. Tomori as well, yeah. So yeah, just seeing him use sort of habits deeper. I just like the bravery and willingness to try things um, that he believes are right. And a lot of the time they are right. So you know what? I'm a big Frank Lampard I might, fan. I might be I'm, a I'm, fan. Yeah, I might be a yeah, fan. Come on. Jo- join the hive, brother. Join the hive. Uh, even even the even the pragmatic approach to the Liverpool game was good. The four four two like mid block. Oh, it was it was brilliant. So when he was at Chelsea, he was attacking in nature. But then seeing him move to a more pragmatic uh, side at Everton to suit the quality of his players to get results, and also the connection he has with his fans uh, at both Chelsea and Everton. Like I think these are things that people might not put down to tactics but they're incredibly important for a manager irrespective of all of that so yeah definitely now that i've sort of grown to have a more holistic uh, view of managers and and appreciating someone like Antolotti more it's made me look at lampard and think do you know what there's room for a manager like this and so i hope i hope he does continue to drive he is like the per he is like the perfect like i feel like he's a great man manager like i feel like he's a great coach and like teaching traits to midfielders and like He's worked with some of the well, some of the best coaches in the game. Like he, he must know so much, like both individually coaching and actually like overview of the whole thing. So and it's nice to see a slightly more old school manager sort of in that approach than 
D. Yeah. I don't know. The laptop managers, as they, as they call them these days. And the laptop managers, yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. I, I try and give uh, the old school managers a, a shout out these days more so. Um, <laughs> let's let's briefly touch on uh, Arsenal and Spurs before we wrap it up. Um, obviously, the North London derby was on Saturday and Arsenal were pretty dominant throughout the game. I think Tottenham did well to hold them to shots from long range in, in unfavourable situations in the first half. And then... Yeah. Uh, there was a red card, um, which is up for its own debate. But um, after that, and, and the slow substitutions afterwards, um, Arsenal ran away with the game. Are Arsenal genuine title contenders? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I'd say contenders. Like, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll go very far because I still think there's a big there's a big gap between them and City, but there's actually like a decent size gap to Arsenal and the teams behind at the moment. I think the actual, the po- the positivity in the play is, is really nice. And it's just, when you watch, when I watch Arsenal now, there's a genuine like flawless structure, both like offensively and defensively. Their, their timing is really good. So they know when someone's yeah. going to run uh, or, or when someone has to move to support one of their players. I think, Ben White's overlap uh, when Saka has the ball. The timing on that throughout the North London lobby was impeccable. Yeah, the, 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 like, the tandem. I think there was the Bournemouth game that really, like, it was really good for me to watch. It was, um, it was like Ben White and Zinchenko, and then Zinchenko would come inside and Ben White would still hold it. And then if Zinchenko wasn't inside, then Ben White could push on forward. But it's like, it just, ha- it's yeah. like a, it's like clockwork. Like, it's just like cogs moving. In, it's like, like system. A, I've said this. I've said this uh, metaphor before, but do you know those Newton cradles? Or like when someone has one of the the balls and they drag it and it hits yeah, like these other ones exactly and the other one goes. I've made that comparison with Gundogan and Bernardo before, but I think uh, Arteta building his side to play fluid and and connected in that way, like you you can make a similar comparison uh, yeah. there as well. In all honesty, as well, the I'm not going to say they should have that like cohesion, but I think. He has been there for a few years now, Arteta, to build that kind of, you know, clockwork and understanding of the different phases of yeah. his game plan and stuff like that. And I think, well, he's had a he's had a couple of well, he's had a couple of the players for for longer than two years. Um, like Bakayo Saka's been there for for longer than that. Um, William Saliba's obviously yeah. been there. Gabriel Martinelli, like they they have they've got players there that he's been using for a couple of years who know when to when to come inside, when to stay outside, when to press, when and not to press. And Zinchenko and Jesus, I mean, yeah, you could obviously count them as, as being yeah. under Arteta for longer as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus signings were like just, just, just perfect signings. Uh, I think yeah, the Fabio Vieira signing will will come with will come with time. I think he'll he will actually come with time because I feel like he has a similar sort of trait as a as a Trent and a De Bruyne because he has really good um, like crossing from deeper areas. Um, and I think that's more like of a one thing output that Arsenal... focus player, I think rather. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. with Odegaard, you get more of that second phase play, but with, uh, yeah. with Vieira, I think we saw it with his, his long range strike as well. Like he's a bit more direct. He's a bit more output focused and it just gives Arsenal another dimension to, to their side. I would say in general um, with regards to their team, at their best, without any injuries, they do look very strong and uh, they can give yeah. almost all of the teams in the Premier League uh, a strong game on their day. I would say my only concern with Arsenal at the moment is 
given their system is like a really specialist system and I don't think that Arteta has perfect profile ID or the ability to adapt players that he hasn't signed into new roles or seeing where they might fit into the team. Uh, for example, last season when, when they did have the injuries, um, he didn't call on Nketiah till I think too late. He didn't call on Elneny until what I thought was too late as well. And then when they both did come into the side, they were playing really well. Um, yeah. So I do think in a long World Cup season, and if there are injuries to Arsenal's side, I think it might be a little bit more difficult to Arsenal for Arsenal and Arteta to maintain that level throughout the season compared to, for example, the Spurs, who th- their system is relatively simple in comparison. Profiles are less specialist. I think unless sort of Kane gets injured, then Spurs would generally be relatively okay and maintain a similar level. I think Arsenal have quite a few players who, if they do get injured, then it might be difficult to maintain that same standard. But I think at their best... Arsenal look really good and and um, sort of it's not it's not a false position uh, where they're at other in the league at the moment. Like the rotations and all the the tricky like individual bits of coaching that Arteta has actually had in on this Arsenal team will become so much harder if they're constantly tinkering with the team with injuries and rotations for like the 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 Thursday games and Thursday Sunday cup games. I think that's yeah. I think that's one thing that Man City have got in abundance, which is. Just it doesn't matter who plays in the role. I think Klopp Klopp had this when he's um, when he used to play the kids in the Carabao Cup a few years ago. It's like it didn't matter who he put in the team; they knew exactly what to do. And I think Arsenal's system, when it's abs- when it's firing and they've got the right players there, is a, a brilliant system which produces brilliant football. But I feel like yeah. it is it's almost it needs to be even better, but for everyone in the team and everyone in the squad rather than the team. Because if you let's say you miss out on Ben White and you've not got Tommy Asu available, like, is there anyone in that squad who can do that sort of third centre-back, right-back role? Do you know? Uh, I would say someone like um, Bukayo Saka. He's played however many minutes and he's integral to being that left-footed right-winger who plays isolated, who makes yeah. things happen. Um, obviously, Alneni's out, so if party picks up a knock, Lukonga goes in there. and I actually like Lukonga, but... Is he good enough to maintain a standard that's gonna keep them in the top one, top two? Yeah, definitely. That's like the that's a similar thing we were talking about with the midfielders because the midfielders are like such parallels. Like you've got a you've got a ball retention expert in Erdegaard who produces high quality chances, but he's a very safe passer. You've got Emil Smith Rowe who's like a late box runner who's obviously out injured and he can go get you a goal, but maybe not offer as much off the ball as Erdegaard. And then you've got yeah. Fabio Vieira, who's like a extremely good crosser from deeper areas. Like there's such different profiles, and it's like, how many profile changes are you going to make in the team when injuries start tallying up, and how much is it actually going to affect them overall, like game by game? Yeah, and, and even if it might work, and even if it might be successful, um, sort of bringing them in in the first game, or um, it might take a couple of games to to. For, for new partnerships and new relationships on the field to thrive and, and work. Yeah. So in, in a league where Man City don't get injuries and are able to play in the way that they currently do, I think you need to be close to perfect. To, I, mean, I mean, even if you are yeah. close to perfect, there's no guarantee you're going to win. Still no guarantee, anyway. no. No. It's like that, that, that profile that profile thing happens with the left-backs. I think that's one of the ones that is very interesting for me because... Kieran Tierney he's almost uh, Arsenal's left winger in possession, but Zinchenko's yeah. almost uh, 
the six. DM. So like, yeah. yeah, it's like they're so different. And that's where Xhaka comes into play, who my oh my, thank God I got my stocks in earlier. I actually, that so guy, this man. is one of my, I have to retweet my old tweets for, for my Granite Shaka takes because in December 2021, I actually, I wrote this long, I think it must have been 4,000, 5,000 words of basically profiling every player at Arsenal and saying, this is where they should go. This is how Arsenal should play. This is what Arteta should do if they want to start winning and thriving. And for Shaka, I think he was playing uh, in DM at the time. Well, I mean, he's played yeah. at DM for, for a lot of his Arsenal career. And uh, uh, at the time, I said, he's not a DM. He's like a good one box to box. He should be arriving late, playing in the half space. I actually specifically mentioned, I think in the first maybe two paragraphs of that piece, that Granit Xhaka in that left half space, that strong-footed cross from that half space to the back post in the same way that Jordan yeah. Henson did it, in the same way up. that Kevin De Bruyne did it. That's such a good method of chance creation. And and we saw that goal, I think, a couple of weeks ago, literally word for word. Yeah, the, the Jesus. Yeah, the Jesus had a... Yeah. So yeah. I was like, you know what? Football on paper. Sometimes football is played on paper. Um, yeah. And then we retweet the it, takes a year later. If you if you like edited like a wide scout screenshot and you had like Fab, Fabio Vieira in the right half space and Granite Xhaka, you had them two like in swinging arrows into the box where Hayes yeah. is. And it seems so like stupid. It's like drawing lines on a still image. But that is exactly like what happens with the strong footed crosses from them half spaces. That's like possessional teams like killer weapon. Yeah, if you're a positional side, you need like, I think you need two different strong foot players on each side. So like a yeah. uh, like a left footed winger and a right footed eight or um, a right footed winger and a left footed eight, if that makes sense. So you just get that yeah. in swinging cross from somewhere, you get that strong footed cross from somewhere. Um, yeah. and, and seeing Shaka on the inside there works. That's why I think for Arsenal to hit the next level I know Odegaard's great but I do think if they had a right footed eight to sort of overlap with Saka uh, it gives them even yeah. more options but to be fair we have, we have seen with Ben White's overlap uh, that he is providing that angle anyway uh, so do yeah. you know what I think in general it's just nice to see new solutions and, and other sides play in a high quality way as fans of football and, and people who pay a close eye to, to analysis and things like that yeah I think the overall like managing of Granite Xhaka in this Arsenal team is so good. Like I feel like he's one of the most crucial players, especially when you have to tinker with the left back him. because yeah, he's just so good. Like the way he filled the, the Brentford game was like a perfect example in like the contrast. Like he was in the left half space delivering yeah. crosses, but then at times Kieran Tierney was bombing on and he was still slotting in at left back like he was doing in the early days of Arteta's reign and like, you know, making yeah. the three and sitting next to Thomas Party and being in front of the back three as in the two is like he he's so good at just like knowing like we were saying before with the with the city players and and the Arsenal players it's like so good at just knowing where where to be and what to do in certain scenarios and phases of the game like yeah he just understands the rhythm of the game Hopefully Arsenal don't uh, keep improving, and hopefully Erling Haaland yeah, does. Yeah, I, I don't. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully Arteta gets well, sacked uh, because if they actually give him the next like couple of windows, <laughs> then I don't even want to. I don't even want to. He could actually become really good, man. Spooky season. Spooky we'll season, see. and uh, it is spooky season. But you know what? Um, we'll talk about Arsenal. I'm sure at some other point in the season. <laughs> Hopefully when they fall off. <laughs> yeah, hopefully after City and Haaland score a little hat-trick on their head. Um, 
But no, they're good. City are good. Liverpool aren't so good. We'll talk. And, and Man United are decent, but they weren't so good today. Oh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to get that in there, my friend. Uh, cool. So uh, we're going to, again, obviously, um, speak about next week's fixtures, possibly different leagues and then different topics and different players. So if you have any suggestions, obviously leave it uh, in the replies on social media um, or just let me and H know. If you have any suggestions for guests as well, let us know too. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you next week. It was pain doing that. I just like rinsing, <laughs> rinsing Liverpool, rinsing United, City and Arsenal is sick. Oh no.